You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always typical Lydia today's show we're going to be doing the 1980 Christmas <laughs> classic to all a good night ching 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 season's grievings Lydia I thank you Westkeeper <laughs> uh, I'm excited this is indeed our Christmas episode and it is and I mean this uh, apparently has a cult classic uh, cult following. Like, I've never, ever heard of this. Yeah. Uh, you and I encountered this movie almost at the same time. Because, gang, we've done the best. we looking for the rest. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, there are still some... Um, larger Christmas like we haven't done rare exports no um, there's don't open until Christmas we haven't done that one either we haven't done any of the recent ones there's been a few Netflix gems actually in the past couple years yeah there was one that came out last year that I just kept hearing about and I remember it was out on DVD but it was we had already kind of locked in what we were doing so I didn't have time to like buy it and then check it out and so I just never did I can't even remember the fucking title of it right now but. I have an idea what it is but Hey, man, we have unearthed a gem. <laughs> Last year, uh, gang, when we were looking for some horror movies to do, and you know me, I like my shit like I like my music old. Yeah. And from the 70s and 80s. If it could have originally been watched by Wes downstairs in a basement via shag carpet, smaller television, and VHS. Yes. That's that's where this has its genesis. And I feel as though that's where, uh, like, th- uh, this is exactly the place where a movie like this needs to be seen. Basement, shag carpeting, brass ducks, just all that kind of shit. It's probably enhanced by watching it at night with a pizza box on one knee and a six pack of i was gonna say milk but dr pepper on the other <laughs> dr pepper it's tourist trap now but yeah it is it is that but when we were looking up stuff to do last year i think because last year what did we end up doing we did a uh, 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 silent night deadly night we did last year mm-hmm. and just it just so happened we were looking up christmas slashers this one popped up and and you and i both had the exact same reaction i don't even know what this is don't even know what this is, but we've got to we've got to see this. Yeah. How have we not seen this? Yeah, and I forgot about it. It was on YouTube. The whole thing was on YouTube, and I remember watching like maybe the first 10, 15 minutes of it, and I, and I was like, oh, okay, gotcha. But the one thing that drew my attention was in the opening credits, directed by David Hess. This is his directorial debut. We all recognize him as Krug from Lost House on the Left. Mm-hmm. A very famous, uh, notorious Wes Craven's debut film back in the day for the horror uninitiated, for like my mom who's listening right now, just mm-hmm. so she knows. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we gotta we gotta lead someone by the hand. Might yeah. as well take you all with us. Exactly. But we had, we had, we had an idea who David Hess was. Yeah. And I had never known that he directed films, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to expect because while he is a, an articulate and a renowned and varied renaissance man Mm -hmm. it doesn't come across as such if you watch last house no and and even when he's in interviews talking about last house he seems to just have the attitude of yeah it was pretty fucked up it was kind of on everyone was kind of uncomfortable and scared Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) (laughs) and that happened anyway right yeah he always struck me as someone who would have about the level of articulation of not Sylvester Stallone, but Don Rambo. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, you know, you know, when your life's on the line, you know, doing these rape scenes is easier than breathing, you know. That's exactly what I expected. <laughs> but no. Very is a, a storied he, individual. He he is he is and and but you never know. This could have been like the time you and I went sat down and tried to do the Nick Castle directorial debut. Yeah. And and that was we tr- well, first of all it didn't turn out to be a fucking horror movie. It turned out to be a weird comedy sort thing. of. Like, it's like I I don't even know what to make of it, but it was frat house intrigue. It was weird, but it was essentially I wouldn't say unwatchable, but it was not for the show. And yeah. and that was I think you and I ended up having to do like Mr. Jones or something like yeah, that. Yeah, which was is like okay a, because it was like uh turned into an, an opportunity to discover a really cool film and yeah. a very cool director and the amazing fucking set direction. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I was going to say like listen, we can sit down Oh, sorry. That was my point. My point was was we didn't know. No, this could have gone any way. And so what I ended up doing was I ended up I was like, you know what? I don't want to watch this. This it was a really shitty copy on YouTube as well. I was like, I was like, I wonder if there's a fucking home video release. Home video. I sound like I'm 90 years old. I wonder if there's like <laughs> coming to home video. Um, and so I looked it up on Amazon, and there was a Blu-ray, and then I decided to read the reviews. And people loved it. Yeah. And so I started digging a little deeper and I and I said, okay, this movie has like a really big cult following. So I bought it. It wasn't very expensive. And I watched it. And my initial thought of it is it was it's interesting, but it's not a good movie. It's not like Okay, Blood Rage, I think, is occupies a similar space. Yeah. But Blood Rage has two things going for it that this I wish that this had really honestly uh-huh. is just an another notch up in absurdity yeah and that's saying a lot after watching this film it's pretty absurd it it's is. hilariously absurd one notch up in absurdity but another like five or six notches up in just film technique yeah they just needed someone better behind the camera or yeah. like just more people behind the camera mm-hmm. like i don't i don't really think it's uh it takes a lot of skill to create a film period so it's mm-hmm. not like the person didn't know what they were doing i think that they were uh limited somehow it seems to me and this is a somewhat untrained eye i think that they were limited by the amount of cameras and lenses mm-hmm. really seems to me they had one lens maybe something happened mm-hmm. to another camera or something or they hadn't planned for this lighting experience lighting lighting definitely is an issue with this. maybe they had rented lights and they didn't come they, they didn't were come. forced to w- work with the existing light yeah because i definitely think that the existing light is a problem that's why sh- scenes that are supposed to be shot at night look like they're shot 
at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or maybe even 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And they're masquerading as night. There's massive continuity problems, uh, even after you consider the fact that there's a twist at the ending in which, you know, there's, uh, you know, spoilers, there's more than one killer. Uh, it's kind of like a scream type scenario. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or a Scooby Doo type so- scenario. <laughs> well, all we need is Matthew Lillard. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I do agree with you. There's something off about this movie, but here's the thing the amateurish way that it's shot. The weird line readings that actors are doing, many of these people, it's obvious that it's their first film. I mean, we know for a fact that it's some of their uh, first work. Mm -hmm. Um, It adds to the air of creepiness to it. It just seems creepy, but not creepy because like, oh, this is a creepy movie. It seems creepy, like kind of like how you're sitting next to like the mentally ill like it's just it's it's just uncomfortable to watch and so in that sense yeah right yeah i had a really good time with that sense and like the like you explained it very well it is like sitting next to the mentally ill or having someone talk word salad um or someone who's extremely drunk yeah and you're just uncomfortable yeah you don't know what to make of it. You don't know how to respond to it. And so you're just watching it kind of frozen, being like, this is so absurd. Yeah. Um, it's laugh out loud absurd at points, too. And it's mm-hmm. not one of those, like, so bad it's good moments either. It's just unexpected, I think, yeah. is the most part. That's what elicits a laughter for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, from everything from just misplaced lines awkward volumes of actors and parts where people are just shouting their lines an inch away from somebody else uh, in a moment before they were perfectly quiet. It was Uh very, very strange. A lot of weird face and hand touching, just very strange direction. Um, I don't really want to blame David Hess necessarily, but it is a debut. Yeah, but I mean, the guy has been around enough film, you would think. But then it seems like they... Like, everyone seemed to have a good time. They had seemed to be a pretty cohesive whole as a cast. Yeah. And the crew must have all gotten along pretty good. Maybe they were having too good, much of a good time to ask for that one more take, you know? Maybe. Or, I, again, this, this always reminds me of everyone in life is trying to do the best job possible. Mm-hmm. That only works. That presupposes people know what a good job is. Yeah. Very, so, very true. So, like, I think that's kind of what it is, where they there was probably a lot of fly-by-night, eh, we're, we're just doing this, but I can tell you what I do respect about this movie, mm. what I perhaps even love about this. And and people always ask me, Wes, what, like, what, that shit's fucking old, man. Why don't you get out of the fucking basement, you old man? Go watch a new movie. You have a point. But here's what I love about this. And this is what I sort of chuff at a lot of uh, slasher revival movies who try to make it seem like it's the 1980s. And they're like, look, it's the 1980s. That's our gimmick. It's like, it's like, you know, Dude Bro Party Massacre or fucking um, uh, that new uh, American Horror Story 1984. Oh, I haven't seen any of that. Type thing. But it's that idea where it's like, look, it's like the 80s. And I was like, you know what this movie was not trying to be? A 1980s slasher movie. Yeah, this, right. this movie was was trying to be 
the movies that were selling. And at the time, this was the aesthetic and this was the level of acting. And obviously, there's some spectacular slashes out there. But this is just what they thought you were supposed to do. They weren't trying to make a movie from the 80s. They weren't. They were just trying to make a movie. No, and they were transcending the style in a few ways here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, like as far as style, as far mm-hmm. as the, the lines, like the writing was pretty fresh. I thought the writing was very snappy. And you have to th- consider this. You have to consider the fact that... This movie is predating a lot of slashers. This movie fucking predates um, Friday the 13th. Yeah. This movie predates The Burning. Yeah. This movie predates uh, even, you know, they were talking about like, oh, this is the the actress she was t- in her interview. She was talking about this is our first Killer Santa movie. Is yeah. it though? Because Christmas Evil, 1980, this movie beats that movie by many months. Yeah. So, So you're just like... So the other slashers that this basically had to come by at the time was things like Halloween, things like Tourist Trap, and things like The Prey, which just got an Arrow release. Um, really, we- like, I mean, obviously Halloween and Tourist Trap aren't obscure, although Tourist Trap, like outside of the horror community, no one knows what that movie is. But um, The Prey, that's super fucking obscure. So this no, they weren't as straight up. Uh- slashers either they always had a little more of a literary bend to them yeah and as far as straight up slashers mm-hmm. i mean this I, I, i'll joke about it being the new buck mm-hmm. kidskin glove killer not mm-hmm. the black glove killer but it's it's got a lot more of the killer than a black glove killer yeah film so it's not like a, a, a giallo style yeah, slasher. It, like we're like, like alice sweet alice is a giallo yeah. style slasher yeah, where they show so much more of the killer here, mm-hmm. or killer plural, and they show so much more of the dead body. So it does mm-hmm. almost get exploitative, mm-hmm. not in um, like a grindhouse or a roughie at all, mm-hmm. which David Hess is no stranger to either. Yeah. But, and neither is the pilot, I suppose, talking roughies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Apparently. We, we got educated. I thought it was David Hess's brother yeah. or something like that. No, he's a porn star. <laughs> yeah, the pilot in this is a porn star. And I I guess it's the like the way that they were talking the one actress was talking about his name we did not recognize this man's name whatsoever and i've forgotten it entirely yeah. but it's like if peter north was the pilot in a slasher film yeah that's what it would be like wow imagine yeah yeah very interesting but uh, it it does occupy the same sort of space as blood rage blood rage yeah. which was a, a totally forgotten gem yeah also very early in the slasher cycle yeah i think blood rage is 81 or something like that yeah so it, again trendsetter to those in the know yeah exactly and and, and movies that would have found their home on vhs and mm-hmm. and we've we, these types of films particularly in the 1980s uh, you know some of our younger listeners it's it's hard to imagine that this idea of like bringing a movie home or being able to rent a movie ain't that old it's like it, like you and i are older than really a video store like the concept of fucking video stores um to the level in which they became huge and now they're gone like no it's when you get used to something when that there's a huge zeitgeist shift a paradigm shift and it flavors things to the point that you would assume that this is the way things have always been. Did mm-hmm. you know that we only abolished capital punishment here in Canada in 1976? I didn't know that. What the fuck, right? But all of our lives, mm-hmm. we've never had capital punishment here. Or we assumed, like, we knew we hung people. We got gallows downtown. But that was in, like, 
the 1700s or some shit, Whoa. right? Like a long fucking time ago. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago when there was the only, pl- not only was there a video store in every corner, that was the only place to really get a movie outside of the theater. Yeah. You can maybe wait for something to show up on TV, but it usually TV was stuff that would be either heavily edited or very old, and you've seen it a million times. Yeah, when I was young, they they didn't have anything that wasn't like forty years old. Yeah, uh, and and because it, it, things weren't made the way they were, there was it, it, it was just like music and distribution and all that kind of stuff was as such that no one in uh, the movie business really had a business model for a secondary market yeah. uh aftermarket as they call it another really great example about something that you think this has always been this way and it hasn't talk to anyone under 25 about uh, a smoking section in a restaurant i know right that's something that i i i realized when i was talking uh to some younger people they had no idea that I, they're like, oh, what's this? I was like, well, that was where they used to keep the ashtrays. They're like, ashtrays? I'm like, yeah? At a fucking garage sale once, I saw a brand, well, brand new, still in the plastic sheath of McDonald's ashtrays. Little tinfoil McDonald's ashtrays. Oh, that's hilarious. And I almost bought them just because, but I'm like, why do I need to clutter up my house with more hipster bullshit? Yeah. But, because I don't have any hipster bullshit. Yeah, that's but my that's, domain. But this is the sort of thing I could have sold them on eBay for like a buck a piece. You could have sold them to me. Bucks a piece. Yeah. It was like, hey, Wesley, check out these fucking ashtrays. I'm like, I don't smoke lids. I'm like, yeah, but McDonald's ashtrays. I'm like, you're right. Here, take my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have. But yeah, McDonald's ashtrays. What the fuck? I know. My my uh, my boss at uh, the, the grocery store, he used to tell me how, but when he first started working in produce... They were allowed to smoke in the grocery store, and he used to sit there putting up apples with a fucking cigarette in his mouth. Yep. And that's mind-bending to me, because when we were kids, you weren't allowed to smoke in grocery stores. You were allowed to smoke at a restaurant, like as if what, sitting five feet over this way was going to make people who didn't want to smell your cigarette smoke not smell it. But I don't think people could smell in the 80s. Yeah, it was. Or something. There's like, too much cooking. You could like this whole like smoke free pet free home everything on like a, a bulletin board or used place or Kijiji or whatever it's smoke free smoke and pet free home. Mm-hmm. There was no smoke free nothing because you could smoke in malls, so yeah. you could buy things brand fucking new that would smell like cigarettes. Yeah, did cigarettes smell differently? Could people not smell before? Like I don't understand. Was it just like Paris in the eighteen hundreds? My parents both smoked in the house. Yeah. When we, and and I didn't know my friends. Parents always used to ask if I smoked. And I'd be like, no, I don't smoke. My parents smoke. And they're like, oh. And then it wasn't until I first moved out and I went to go visit my parents. And then I came home and I put my jacket uh, in in the closet. And then the next time I went to go get my jacket, I opened up the closet door and I just got wafted with this like powerful fucking stench. Yeah. And I was like... Oh my god. <laughs> Is this how I smelt? Yeah. The first 20 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And and I would walk around like, "Yeah, I smell good today. I just took a shower. I got my nice Axe body spray on." Oh my god. Yeah, that's right, Lids. Well, it's just what everyone smelt like, I suppose. Yeah. So like If you're a slobbering teenager, yeah. 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 But yeah, I think that uh I I think that you might be onto something. But fuck all that, Lids. Fuck all that. What is this movie even about anyways, Lids? This is the rousing tale of how the Grinch's heart grew two sizes that day. 
when faced with little tiny Cindy Lou Who, awake at night out of her bed and asking the Grinch, why, Santy, why? I think his fucking cocker two sizes because like everyone's so horny in this movie. Well, yeah, it's a pretty typical. Like, it hits all. It, it checks the boxes pretty quickly. Like you get some death pretty quick. You mm-hmm. get lots of boobs, lots and lots of boobs. So many boobs. Oh my god, where's Linnea Quigley? We need I think, her. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. We even get some Linnea Quigley um, makeups later on. Yeah, actually, come to you kind of do actually. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like she would be... Here's the thing. You get Linnea Quigley in a movie when no one else really wants to take their top off. And so this is like graduation day where there's just a random scene with a student you only see one time trying to fuck her professor and she takes her fucking tits out and you're like, Linnea, <laughs> like why? There you are. <laughs> there you are. Um, this is this is before her too. So like this is, this is probably setting a precedent as well. Yeah, Linnea saw this on VHS and she's like, well, I know my calling in horror movies. <laughs> yeah. And she kicks so much ass because if these are the original, like, sort of scream queens, mm-hmm. uh, she had a, a really good job cut out for her by mm-hmm. these women. Like, it's it's a pretty diverse little cast mm-hmm. because we have a whole bunch of white people yeah. and some are brunettes. <laughs> one of them is British. Oh, you're right. And one of them may be Southern 50% of the time. We have a lot of people that are from upstate New York or something. I don't know. They're somewhere between Delaware and New York. I don't know. They've got this accent. But it's all taking place in California. So I don't understand why all these cops talk like they're on the beat in Jersey. Yeah. Hey, yo. It's like, I'm born and raised here in Southern California. It's like I used to spend all day at the boardwalk. Hanging out by the Hollywood sign, okay? <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's hilarious. It is hilarious. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a pretty it's Richie Riches in California oh, at man. a girls' boarding school. These people are rich. You yeah. know, you know they're rich lids. How do we know they're rich? Old tiny cars, bearskin rugs, mm-hmm. suits of armor, private planes. Asking for somebody to bring a bottle of Chanel to the dinner table so they can put on some perfume. While they eat, while they eat stew out of a can, stew out of a can, <laughs> and cherry pie. It's true. Yeah, but I mean, that's the one thing that I was sold on in this is that I did believe these people were rich because that bottle of Chanel was big, mm-hmm. and a lot of the clothes they're wearing, uh, whether or not you can see labels, you can just tell from the way the clothes are hanging that they're pricey clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, they at least knew somebody that had a private jet. It seems it seems to me that David Hess probably does fly. Out of oh, all the things probably, yeah. he does, he probably owns a plane just for fun because that's probably what he does. But they do interject these little things. So we're not just being told these people come from money, that these girls are at a very, very pricey boarding school. We buy it because the setting is perfect. The set dressing is on point. The people themselves seem cultured enough and can delve into buffoonery in a way that only the cultured can. So I, I really buy that these girls are at a boarding school, yeah. which is nice. That's a nice nice twist. Yeah. Usually we can tell and see right through it that we've got all these 60-year-old, or not 60-year-old, we've got all these 35-year-olds passing for 18 in <laughs> some regular condo downtown, right? Yeah. So it never really works. Yeah. Or there's there's a starkness to everything. Like, I remember uh, one of the complaints about uh, American Psycho, the movie versus the book, is that the book paints 
Patrick Bateman's wealth as that 80s tycoon as something unobtainable by regular people whereas you know the movie doesn't have that kind of budget so everything's quite stark it looks expensive but at the same time not expensive and you know he's like doing a line of coke in the bathroom like he's homeless like it doesn't it's it's not that grandiose level of wealth that you would believe he would have uh, isn't projected to the skin because uh, or, be, or not skin isn't projected through the film because of budgetary reasons. This at the very least everything seems very lived in. It's somehow not a pretty of a house as the sorority house of Black Christmas. Even it's yeah. it's uh, less cozy than that, but it's still uh, a still really nice property and. Again, though, uh, you know, maybe it's because, like, we're Canadians, not just Canadians, Lids, but we're Ontarians. Yeah. It's that I have a hard time Christmas with no snow. I know. And even to the point where you had questioned, what is going on with the windows? Is that a continuity error? And I'm like, no, that's that fake snow in a can that you spray with a stencil onto your windows. And you're like, ah. Why would anyone do that? Why don't they just wait for snow to beat the living hell out of their house? They'll have plenty of snow in the windows, believe me. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we don't seem to do that at all with the fake snow. We don't really put much fake snow on our trees here because we have so much of it. We don't want to bring it in the house. That's the thing. I was like, I don't need the snow aesthetic. We got the snow aesthetic. Yeah. So that's all that they have, though, because there's still blooming yuccas in this goddamn movie. It was probably filmed not even anywhere near Christmas, like we would be any of the wiser, though, because it's like tropical year round Mm -hmm. so there's no way i i I can't buy christmas without some sort of snow no one's wearing a toque yeah there's one scene where they're where they're at the the i was gonna say airport but it probably is an airport but it's more of a little runway runway um where they're wearing like fall jackets like they're like i've seen pea coats and some Mm -hmm. like uh, suede jackets and stuff like that so i kind of get the sense that it's probably um colder at least there perhaps at least windier to warrant that type of shit but there's a lot of shit happening in this movie initially and the (laughs) the building of this plot is essentially that it's a bunch of sorority girls most of the sorority house has gone away for christmas for whatever reason you know insert rich parents aren't all that great as poor parents like subtext throughout everything these girls are are going to be staying here at the boarding school for christmas but not without some vitamin D, Lydia. Oh yeah. You got to take vitamin D in the winter because the sun doesn't come out so much. You know. You know. Oh no, I'm not talking about vitamin D. I'm talking about vitamin D's nuts. Oh okay, yeah, no, it's true. I, I like. Let me ask you this: How unattracted would you be to a, a fucking clown car full of frat boys coming out, each dressed in a crappy Santa suit? Yeah, no, that sounds like hell. Yeah, it sounds awful, and they all coming out like, like swilling their Budweiser and their Pabst Blue Ribbon or whatever the fuck they're drinking. It just got worse. It just got worse. That's when I would be like, well, I'm gonna go and read maybe some Tolkien in my room and yeah. lock the door and just hide away from all your shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is our our favorite girl, our Cindy Lou Who, who is Nancy Runyon. Or- yeah. Jennifer Runyon as Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, does strike me as a very Cindy Lou Who. I don't think she takes her top off once at all. She doesn't. She's the, one of the few uh, here. Even though like the very horny British girl, mm-hmm. uh, the first time you see her, she is 
just like basically resting her tits on a banister while she's leaned over and her giant 80s girl sweater is barely containing them and she's making sex jokes all the while yeah but it's yeah. it's it's she's kind of going it's it's almost like a crappier version of Margot Kidder's character from Black Christmas Very just much. just like it's it's just hitting wrong and again I don't know if it's the dialogue or the fact that it, they probably didn't have a lot of takes to do things but there's a couple of times in which dialogue just fades in and out like you were saying people are talking at different volumes they're people are doing different things in the scene no one's on the same page a lot of the time and it definitely feels like people hitting their marks and saying their dialogue that's that's hey, right say their dialogue the blocking's off and they're dealing with a single camera so it's yeah, gotta be hard for us like continuity and timing and that's no one's fault necessarily it just doesn't play too yeah. well but so it makes it like watchably awkward though going forward because not to the point of like the room or something like that which has all of those same problems Mm -hmm. dialed up to 11 granted because the room is the room um so we've got like a little bit of that going on where you're almost watching to see what the next flub will be Mm -hmm. and i don't mean that in a mean way because it's fun it is fun to watch through and through this film but it's just weird and awkward to see how they're going to work with what you've established as a one camera, no lighting situation. Oh, I think that for this film, they're not really too concerned with that. I th- I almost get the sense that David Hess was like, oh, I wonder if I can pull this off. I wonder yeah. if we can do this. Oh, well, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, there's a lot of things that you would consider like weird throwbacks. And I'm somewhat wondering, I was like, so Friday the 13th was released in 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was released the summer. Um, this was released um, in January, I believe. Yeah, it was January of the same year. I'm wondering when they were in production, though, because this has like a, a crazy Ralph, and this also has like a Betsy Palmer like ending to it. Very much so. And so I'm with someone who looks somewhat similar. Yeah, somewhat similar. I, I maybe that's just what all uh, matronly women looked like in the late seventies, early eighties. But I don't really know. But I can say for certain, um, they have a fast Ralph here, and that dude is on another planet. Mm-hmm. He's absurd. Uh, one of the many absurdities in this, because there's something endearing about Crazy Ralph, mm-hmm. and you've you've seen a Crazy Ralph with your own eyes before. Mm-hmm. I've not seen a guy. <laughs> you know, it's it's the fucking fact that he's constantly holding clippers indoors. The only other person in film, mind you, not in real life, that reminds me of this is Bruno, the groundskeeper in pieces. Yeah, who's scowling? He's like the red herring and mm-hmm. he's carrying clippers or a chainsaw and like threatening people mm-hmm. with it in a way because he's just gruff and this red herring isn't very gruff he seems a little simple he almost reminds me of lawnmower man he's his job and lawnmower yeah. man or something like that um and he's not necessarily menacing but he is always wearing like holding some sort of weapon um but he's wearing red so he's like a color appropriate red herring. He's wearing old timey red lawn johns. Yeah, like Stanfields. It's very weird. Very weird outfit. And he's got a shock of blonde hair. So mm-hmm. like in a former life he might have played Rocky. Maybe. Yeah. Or Ivan Drago or something. Yeah, yeah. But no, he is weird. His lines are weird. He's super Christian. His name is Ralph for some reason, but he seems to be like some sort of fundamentalist Lutheran. 
I'm, mm. I'm not really sure what Ralph is supposed to be. I think it's just what you said. Like, he's just... In this story, that they just said to themselves, we need to throw people off. We need that red herring. We need to get people thinking it's definitely him. And maybe... But, like, obviously to us, our well-trained horror eyes, we've seen this so many times. There's no way that this is the killer. No, it's true. Um, Do you know what else we've seen a lot with our well-trained horror eyes? What was that? When somebody is cropped out of the camera and you can't see their face, but you can see from behind them, they're walking up to the photograph of the dead girl and they pull some <laughs> gloves out of a drawer and they put the gloves on and the music's going... Just in case we're not clear, they will take a red marker and they will X out the names on the list altogether. It's not like, because we've seen, by the way, the the elimination of people via list, either in, I believe that's a, that's a plot device in Graduation Day, and, or maybe Prom Night? I can't remember. Prom Night? I believe so. Crossing yeah. people off the list, though, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Deadpool style. Yeah, or like fucking Kill Bill. Like he's the, she's the, yeah. the bride, and and <laughs> it's just like I don't have time for all that. I'm gonna kill them all at once, and then I'm gonna like X out this big thing. I was like, just in case you didn't know, if the music menacing you didn't know, if them pulling a knife out wouldn't let you know, if them putting on gloves wouldn't let you know, Xing out with the red marker, like a teacher. Like a teacher in front of the picture of the dead girl, and in case you forgot it's the dead girl, they flash back pictures really quickly oh to let God. you know it's that this like, was the girl you saw moments ago yes. die. Just like that fucking end sequence in Terror Train. Because not unlike the beginning of Prom Night, this deals with the death of somebody two years previous yeah. who is now not forgotten. Not forgotten. No. Like video stores and smoking sections, people will never forget if... They have anything to say about it. What was the name of this dead girl? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, Bethany? I forget. Sybil? Sybil? Jennifer. Deuteronomy. Nah, I don't think so. But either way, she was pulled off the balcony in some sort of weird frat prank. I don't know what the girls were doing racing around the house Christmas Eve two years hence. It, it, again, it's just like prom night in which you're... Wa- and now I sound like fucking Jamie Kennedy. If the cops just watched prom night, they'd know. Moron. Fuck you. Anyway, um... I'm not, you know what? I'm not getting into a scream rant. Never mind. Uh, the important thing to remember is that just like in prom night... That had no rhyme or reason ever. Like they were just like sort of like menacing her towards the window, and she just <laughs> pitches her ass out of it. Yeah, this is the same kind of thing where everyone is, oh my god, she fell. We're also upset about it, and we're crying and we're screaming, and this body hits the fucking pavement. But what was the end intent of that game? You were chasing her with weapons and insana outfits, and you were chasing her to a balcony ledge. On mass, there was like ten of you. What, like, what? I think they expected her to charge them. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to let people push you off of a balcony. Maybe she just didn't want to live. You know, a lot of people get depressed around the holidays. Liz. It's very, very, very true. We're all we we've just passed the shortest day of the year, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. This so, is getting a little ridiculous. Yeah, we're heading into Blue Monday. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time of year where people will just decide to end it all in the middle of some holiday hijinks. 
no less, and pitched themselves off a fucking balcony anyway. So that was two years previous. We're still here at the same boarding school. No one seems to have mentioned this, except there is a picture of the girl around. There's a picture of this girl in the sewing room, which yeah. belongs to not the headmistress, but the cook yeah. who has hung around for the holidays. The mm-hmm. headmistress is gone. Yeah. Everyone else is gone. All the administration is gone, but there is somebody left to cook for these girls. So they're there with their vitamin D. Vitamin D. So these boys that have flown in for whatever yeah. reason, I guess from a, a another boarding school because they seem to be students in the same position, very rich, parents absent, alone mm-hmm. for the holidays to get laid with these girls. And there's not really like boyfriend-girlfriend couples here. No, it seems to be that um, Leah knows, who's like one of the girls in the group, she knows this, uh, is it CJ or fucking... TJ. TJ. Yeah. TJ. She knows this TJ, and he's bringing this pack of boys, and the girls just want to fuck. I'll give them this. They. It's not a bunch of. It, there's no pretenses. The girls. The second these guys get off the plane, these girls immediately pair off to the dudes that they want, and mm-hmm. they want these guys. It's not a matter of oh maybe I'll fuck these people, maybe I won't, but it doesn't really matter because. They're not the only thing getting fucking penetrated around here, Lids. No. No, because there's a lot of knife play early on. There is as many on-screen deaths the first night of this <laughs> killer. That's the other thing that's kind of interesting. Where it's not this is not all taking place over the course of one night. Yeah, which was astounding to me. It's super astounding. Because you'd think the entire movie take Friday the 13th takes place over a course of one day. That's all it is. It's one night. Yeah, and any any leading into this, you think it's going to pan out largely the same. Mm-hmm. Forgetting that this came before a lot of that, so it mm-hmm. didn't have that precedent set in a way. Yeah. And it just seems weird to hang out. Like, and I feel like one of those like old 60s producers where oh, people don't want to watch a crime show that lasts more than one episode. Yeah. People don't want to watch a slasher that lasts more than one night. And in a weird way, I fucking agree because... The first part of this movie, I'm like, all right. And then the second part of this movie, the second day, I find it just drags. It feels absurd, too, especially because not only have you had some people get killed and disappear and a body be discovered and the police are involved the next morning. You have so many unanswered questions, so many people not reacting to these deaths Mm -hmm. in a proper manner. And, you know, you're heading into another night where people have partner swapped somewhat. There seems to be no ill will toward people who were having sex with somebody else the night before and they've roped the cops into the mix because now the cops are fucking the girls. Like, it's very strange that way and it feels like too... Uh, everyone's just too flippant about this whole situation. There's people missing and no one is looking for them. There's a few people saying that, hey, this is crazy. We ought to be worried or I'm scared, but not enough people and you don't believe it. And then yet another day passes. Yeah. It's wild to me how someone... So Fast Ralph gets murdered and they definitely know that because that's the body that they run into in the grass. And... And Nancy uh, is is the one that discovers it, our Cindy Lou Who. She's so Cindy Lou Who. She's just a little tiny blonde thing. And to to help picture this girl, aside from just being a little blonde Cindy Lou Who, she seems to be written as a younger sister. Because she doesn't involve herself with the sexual hijinks. She seems very reserved, very quiet. 
Uh, she's mousy. Second, yeah, very mousy. Second guesses herself all the time. Other people second guess her. She's mm-hmm. often silenced. She's doing things in the foreground, like putting pigtails in her hair. Very yeah. fucking strange for a 19-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah. She, it's, it's almost you'd think that she'd just be sitting on a stump, swinging her legs while everyone else is having their dialogue and shit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm bored. I want candy. Well, like, I have to go pee. Yeah, something like that. You know... They uh, they might have just cast her up, and the the role originally called for someone much younger. That's like what it like, feels like, like a kid's sister that was forgotten mm-hmm. at the boarding school. Yeah, it was like, I oh, know. my sister was visiting, or my sister's visiting for the holidays, and our parents can't look after her, so she's going to spend the holidays with me. Like they could, there you go. I just wrote the scene. That's exactly what it feels like through that whole for through every scene with her from the beginning to the end. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre and. Once you find a body, cops are involved. Of course, you don't see you see like a couple of detectives, but it's like my 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 officers have followed this, like gone through this place with a fine tooth comb. I'm like, really? They didn't just see all the the disturbed earth from this Santa crudely burying people, like he, like a dog burying a bone. We know there's bodies hidden elsewhere on this property too, because yeah. they're discovered not too long from now, and. They didn't find those. Yeah, and six of your fucking friends are missing, or whatever, four of them, a minimum, but I think there was more than that, um, are gone. The pilot is apparently camping out with the airplane, wherever the hell that is. Have they gone to talk to him? No. Yeah, no. Do they know if he's still alive? Just sleeping under the plane in a sleeping bag. Like, yeah. what the fuck is this? And that's the other thing. I was like, so is this place... They're like, we got to get out of here. Like, they're not isolated. You're not trapped anywhere. You theoretically have vehicles. There's a plane. They flew in because they could fly in. They didn't fly in because they have to fly in. Yeah, exactly. People, their parents came to pick up various kids and they drove here. Like, how far could they be? And if you're so convinced that your friends just went off somewhere to, like, go do something and they'll be back any minute, they like, what did they go to the general store? Like, what did they do? Like, yeah. where are they? The general store. The general store. Ah, that's <laughs> to adorable. go talk to a peddler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, there, there was a Starsky and Hutch reference in this film. There was a Starsky and Hutch reference. Yeah, two rapid fire yeah. Starsky and Hutch references that we got, which was great. So everything old is new again. Yeah, I'm telling you. So... That is wild to me. And that's why slasher movies don't take place over the course of one day. And yes, I know, like, you'll people will point to, like, the burning or they'll point to, uh, you know, I can't think of another example, but I know that there's more, you know, Prom Night, there's another one that takes place over many days. But the point is, is like, uh, Bloody Birthday, um, uh, Happy Birthday to Me. These are all horror movies that take place over, or slashers that take place over over the course of a couple of days. But here's the thing. Either those deaths are attributed to accidents or those bodies go undiscovered until the very last moments of the film and stuff like that. Or like characters are so isolated from each other or some shit like that. And if the police are involved at all, they're involved from the get-go because it's been 30 years and he's coming back and we know it. Or yeah. it's like the next day and it's like very rapid in succession. They're, the police are there and then there's another death usually in front of them or they're the, the victim of it. Mm-hmm. or they go chasing the actual killer not the way that these cops behave and the the fact that they're not really like i don't want to spoil it entirely but they're not like present at the end the mm-hmm. end game and it's not like it builds up to a crescendo of everyone dying at people sort of die more at the beginning and then it yeah. sort of peters out over the next two fucking days man yeah. it's really hard to tell the passage of time too because they're shooting day for night in a lot of ways so we're confused as to like visually confused as to what mm-hmm. is actually dusk yeah, yeah. so wanna, uh, go ahead 
the the biggest point though to the way that these killings begin right away is that they're not all outside and yeah we find ralph's body the next day outside but there's killings by someone in a santa suit right inside the fucking house right from under their noses there's blood on the floor that people walk through and go what is this stuff on the floor yeah oh i guess like old ralph must have cut himself yeah and and dropped like two pints of blood on the floor and fucking Nancy just <laughs> sops it up. And like, just enjoys another cup of milk. And hey, would you man. like a glass of milk? The people drink milk in this like they drink Dr. Peppers and Tourist Trap just nonstop. So that was one of the things, like, leading up to the first night when the boys show up. Because mm-hmm. they're going to bang dudes all night long. That's what these girls want to do. Mm-hmm. That's the point of this. But they do have the cook. The yeah. cook is the one authority figure who not, like, she wouldn't really police them necessarily, but she would bear witness to all of this, and she would tattle on them if she had to. So they get rid of her, question mark? What do they, they, they... They put her to bed. They make her some warm milk. They make her some warm milk. With drugs in it, right? No, there's no... <laughs> well, how do they put her to sleep? They Warm milk is its own sedative. Um, Not to the point that someone's going to fucking pass out and stay none the wiser all night to a bunch of sex romps. That's true. and all, But I, I don't know if you'd know like, how far away this woman's... like. Maybe she's too busy sewing. That sewing Those sewing machines can get pretty loud. They can, yeah. But, especially when you're really cruising. But they, they really talk about uh, getting Nancy to deliver this milk. And, and Leah, uh, Leah's reasoning is, so she's the goody two-shoes, so no one's going to suspect her of doing something underhanded. And then you rightfully ask the question, is there something in the milk? And I'm like, no. She prepared the milk. Like, it was weird. She's like, I'm going to prepare the milk for you. And she just heats up the milk in a pan yeah. right in front of this woman. And then she leaves it and is like, now you hand it to her in the glass. <laughs> Like, like, <laughs> Which, and they don't show that like, the glass does not have any drugs in it. There's no. no drugs put into the milk. The milk wasn't drunk beforehand. They drink the milk out of that same jug later. Like, and they offer it to other people because it's like a big milk pushing bastard thing going on here. Very strange <laughs> with the milk. Milk's disgusting, <laughs> I might add. Warm milk. And it doesn't like knock people out. You would think it does. Well, this one, this does. I am. Um, you gotta hide. You gotta hide the pills in the milk, like uh, Mr. T. So he's not afraid of flying and shit. Um, one year when I was uh, when I was a wee lad, not even a wee lad, I was probably like nineteen or twenty. We enough. We enough. Uh, I was dating this girl, and she had this sister. And <laughs> this story is not going to make me sound great, by the way. But anyway, those are my favorite stories about West because to date, all of them make you sound pretty great. Right, I'm a nice guy, except for this time. And it's uh, so what ended up happening was she had this younger sister, and her younger sister was cheating on her then boyfriend. Mm. Caught herself of venereal disease, and so she went to the doctor, and the doctor essentially said, uh, "Hey, so you got to take these pills, and that'll clear everything up." Uh, and if you've had any sex- sexual activity with other partners, you should probably let them know because they need to take this medication as well. And he gave her extra medication to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, and I remember she was driving us to my girlfriend's house at the time. And she was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and she said, if I tell him about this. You know, he's going to know that I cheated on him, so I got to somehow get him to take this medication without him knowing. 
Wow, this is straight up days of our lives bullshit here. So, um, I suggested, my girlfriend didn't want any part of this. Rightfully. But, but I was like, you know, you, your dad is going to be giving us uh, all that eggnog that he makes every year. Uh, what if we put the pills in his eggnog? And then he drinks it. And she's like, yeah, but they're pills. And so I get there. We get there. And they are like pills. They're almost like uh, they're hard pills, like the chalky oh, okay. ones. So you need like, that. like a pill cutter or like a grinder or something. So I, I sat there in the living room before her boyfriend showed up. And I was sitting there with her sister with like a, a, a mortar and, and pestle. Yeah. Grinding up this venereal disease medication. Awesome. And, and, um, her mother knew about this too, by the way. This was wow. This was not something that we were like, oh, whatever. And <laughs> sure enough, the eggnog gets served, and uh, we pour the glasses, and I fucking put the powdered pills in the guy's drink. And it was one of those things where you're handing them, like there's the silver serving tray. And I, I know this sounds made up, but I'm fucking hand to God, this is exactly what happened. And it was like me holding this silver tray full of all these eggnog glasses and being like, I forget his name. I think it was like Cody or something. I'm like, or Corey was his name. And I was like, here you go, Corey. This one's yours. <laughs> Of course you did, because you couldn't help yourself. Because I'm like Gomez Adams. <laughs> Here you go, old man. And even if he did look at you weird, he'd just be like, wow, man, Wes is weird sometimes. He's like, why you date that horror kid? Like, yeah, he's weird. Right. <laughs> this one's for you. The weird thing about it was was um, when you grind up this pill into eggnog, it all settles at the bottom. And you could see it, because these were clear, like, these coffee, well, you guys can't see it, but we're yeah. drinking through some clear glass coffee mugs right now. And that's what it, they were in, and so you could see the the sub, and it was all it was like one of those scenarios where it's like, drink up, ooh, get every last drop all the way down, mm. like the pink grapefruit juice and fucking <laughs> midsummer, where you could yeah. tell there's period blood in his cup. Exactly, else's? he's like, I know this is more red than everyone else's, uh, but I don't think it's period blood because who would put this in someone's cup? I'll just drink up. Yeah, <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. So I know a thing or two about drugging people. And by the way, this was Christmas. Yeah, of course. Eggnog. I mean, it's not like, well, I don't know. I had a roommate that would buy extra eggnog in the holidays and put it in her deep freeze. So that in summertime, in June or July, she could surprise everyone. I've got some eggnog. Christmas in July. So I know how to poison people on Christmas. This is what I'm saying. Well, happy holidays, Wes. I'm feeling <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> you hear the thud. Yeah. And I'm just like, and that's it for dead air. <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts. Did he or did he not contract a venereal disease? You know something that is probably disappointing to the end of the story? I have no idea. I never <laughs> followed up on it. Yeah. I was just, you know what it was? I really wanted to be part of like a caper. I really wanted to be part of like something that I was like, this would be in a movie. And so that's why I wanted to do it, oh, which is yeah. my logic for everything. No, that's fine. That's perfect logic. That, that explains it away. And no one would expect that you would do anything underhanded. Exactly. Speaking of uh, totally logical and makes sense, these people are still in the house after a bunch of people just got fucking murdered. And having goddamn breakfast and the chef comes out in the morning and is like, you boys shouldn't be here. There's going to be hell to pay. You're going to be in so much trouble. You'll have to leave before administration comes back. And 
then they're like, how'd you sleep last night? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a dumb question. Yeah. There is a lot of weird scenes that their idea is... <laughs> I'm glad that you enjoyed this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I did enjoy it very much. It was absurd. Um, there's a lot of... Speaking of absurd, how about that monologue from Chief of Police there? The Chief of Police who was gently cupping Cindy Lou Who's face. While doing, like, this weird monologue. And the, the first scene we see with him, he ba- the actor forgets his line. And then sort of trails off and then finishes the line afterwards. I was like, come on, there's not a better take of that. There's got to be a better take on that. They must have been pressed for time or something. Something. Or they just don't care. They're all yeah. too hopped up on something. But, like, th- this makes sense kind of later, I guess, because there's subtle hints. Subtle. Subtle as a hand grenade hints. Subtle as a hand grenade hints. Because, like, when I say there's there's pictures all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of the dead girl on a bureau somewhere where there's gloves that mm-hmm. the killer uses. Not the same gloves that the Santa killer uses, which is strange to me because they're not white gloves. They're, like... They're like kid skin gloves. They're they're beigeish colored gloves that they put on for the first kill, but then we see this the Santa roaming around, and it is very creepy. I'm always on the lookout, and this is sort of the genesis of why we chose this movie because I'm always on the lookout for this particular killer Santa movie that I remember as a child mm-hmm. that I've never rediscovered since. This one isn't it, but we get a lot of really cool killer Santa shit going mm-hmm. on. This. But it's different gloves. Yeah. Now there was a picture of the dead girl. So we know the killer has something to do with the dead girl. There is also a picture of the dead girl around the cook. Because the cook in the sewing room, I guess, there's a picture up, but it's not on a bureau. So it's not the same picture. Mm -hmm. So either they moved the picture to creepily put gloves on, or there's multiple pictures in the house. And they never acknowledge it as like, that's for the sluice, the super sluice (laughs) watching this movie. That's for the scholars out there to discover later. Like, oh, I am a genius, David has. Uh, you have these moments in this film, uh, like police officer uh, recognizing why are you why are you dressed in that Santa suit. So the last twist and him referring to the cook as Ruth. Yeah. Um, like, like they know each other. Like they know each other. It's like yeah, and then because he, he's just like, listen, I've been a cop my whole life. You know, it's like I, I ain't never got a case I ain't solved yet so this really bugs me yeah so it's like that's the level of shit that you're dealing with here uh you get the sense that there's something off with this but here's the thing that throws you off about that scene the the it would be a huge red flag that this cop is somehow involved in this in these killings except the movie itself is so weird and Everyone is delivering their lines so weird. Mm-hmm. You would just you would be baffled by the delivery of the lines and not think it's intentional. Yeah. You would not think that he is trying to let you know that he is one of the killers. You would just think, what a fucking weird choice. But this movie's full of weird choices, so this doesn't stand out to me. Exactly, exactly. It stands out in the way that everything else that's absurd does and strange delivery of strange lines that does sort of stand out because i do remember his scene and how his the volume of his voice just suddenly became out of control and the way he was cupping cindy lou who's face and we keep saying cindy lou who nancy nancy yeah and 
this was the beginning of everyone touching Nancy. Massaging her arm while they're trying to talk to you and shit like that. Could you imagine? Touching her face constantly. Yeah, and you have, you don't like to be touched. No. So, uh, so uh, like, I couldn't imagine if I was trying to talk to you and convince you of something and I just, like, put my hand on your knee and I just start rubbing your shoulder with, like, uh, fucking yeah. direct eye contact. Listen to me, Lydia. And I'm, like, talking about something mundane. Like, don't worry, Lydia. I was like, I'm going to go to the store and get you more oranges. See, I like, would be so You're uncomfortable, out and you're so, uncomfortable oh, yeah. now just, just thinking, thinking about it. it. And I know you. Yeah. If this was some random police officer who's probably 20 years my senior and is yelling in my face but touching, like, he's touching her face that is a crazy personal space for people and i think it's very interesting when like she is this is her first film this was the very first film of jennifer runyon Mm -hmm. and for an actor or actress who is given some direction that no one on earth except somebody with like some soci with some personality disorders would stand for like, this girl having her face crushed while she's being screamed at by a cop. Well, not screamed at. He's not screaming at her. He's just yelling. Mm-hmm. It's just such an awkward scene entirely that no one would put up with that. And she should have, in a, in many ways, said, hey, wait a second. This is weird. This mm-hmm. is, like, he keeps touching my face. And I'm uncomfortable. It's probably uncomfortable to the entire planet. Why am I, as Nancy, sitting here... And letting this man do this. Mm-hmm. But then why is Nancy sitting there letting every man grope her constantly? I don't know. It's very strange. It really is. They're not doing that to any other woman. No. All the women are too busy having pleasurable intercourse. With multiple people, including the police. Yeah. And it was weird because, like, uh, uh, Leo just, like, wants to fuck this gross cop. He is. He kind of looks like Andre the Giant. Yeah. Uh, he's hairier. Because yeah. Andre the Giant probably shaved his chest for wrestling, because he should. Yeah. Um, and was probably oiled up all the time. This guy's not greasy, yes. Oiled up, no. Yeah. But he's just not attractive. It's very strange. Yeah. Very strange thing. Where she's just like, oh, you can sleep here. Here, sleep in my room. I'm going to have a shower on your penis or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it was just very strange. Oh, my and her, God. And the guy that she was sleeping with the day before... Was just like, oh, that's happening. I'll go drink beer with the other girl I want to have sex with. Melody. Yeah. Melody is very pretty and very cool. Very pretty, very cool. She had sex with a nerdy dude. Yeah. Who then, who then like, finds... He's, like... First, he's, like, saying science facts and stammering. And while a chick is, like, half naked and he's in her bedroom, he's reading the dictionary. And then when he... She gets his shorts off he's just like oh my oh, oh dear yeah oh, oh heavens he's and, probably fanning himself except the lights are up by that point in the scene yeah. ends. and then and then he's just like oh i fuck now he found his mojo yeah and then he and then he's immediately trying to nail nancy yeah immediately mm-hmm. so it's like you can't even be like oh this melody she like started hooking up with this other guy i'm like he was already like he's already creeping on a different girl so don't worry about it now if we sound like a love triangle by way of daytime soap opera yeah that's not our fault that's yeah. a lot of what this movie does aside yeah. from killing and pretty good special effects as far as there's a throat slitting here that i was quite impressed by mm-hmm. wonderful decapitation mm-hmm. heads in a bucket blood all over the place yeah it's really wonderful yeah but there's- then there's also a lot of like i'm gonna bone this person let's get naked let's do it let's go for a 
walk. Let's drink these beers sexily. It's 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 kind of the 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 shenanigans in like the mutilator that I don't mm. really like, you know, where they're just like it's just like beach house bonanza drinking games, and you wonder why so much of the movie is fucking dedicated to this. Why is there so much screen? Because this movie feels super long. Like I don't know if it's because shit takes place over the course of two days, but by the second day. I feel like all the steam is out of this fucking shit, and I just want kill off the like. There's four characters left. Kill them off, please. Yeah. And like, let's just get to the twist. We all know it's coming, and so that's like what I have a really hard time with in this film. Otherwise, it's a pretty good, goofy little slasher. And you know what? It didn't cost a lot of money. It's not like you know uh, Arrow releases I'm going to go back to the mutilator Arrow releases the mutilator and it'll cost you here in Canada like 40 bucks and I just be like woof I feel like I just got taken to the cleaners a little bit yeah yeah it's it's like you don't feel too bad about getting a purchase of this or you can watch it free on YouTube if you're inclined looking for another Christmas slasher but or if you're a David Hess completist, David Hess completist, which some people I know are, and and honestly, like a lot of a lot of the the kills are great gags. I mean, like the upside down head in a shower. I've never seen that one before. Oh yes, fantastic! Really, you, you do wish that the shower was on and the sprinklers were coming out the eyes or something. I but do, or the mouth. Yeah, like it would spray. That'd be great. That'd up. be almost like um, you know, like the 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 water and shit in um, my bloody Valentine. When the chick gets hoisted onto that, uh, the, the sprinklers and shit. Yeah. I, what I want to see is a, two all good, a Good Night 2 where we get to spend time with the other final girl. What do you think about this? Because oh, this is... my God. It's genuinely creepy, but it's also fucking inexplicable. Absolutely inexplicable. But, I mean, I guess we're to believe that that person is no longer of this earth anymore and they have just they probably pitched themselves off of the balcony moments after yeah so, right so the real final girl is the final girl and that's it now when the twist comes which seems kind of late we're lucky in a way that the twist comes and surprise the person dressed in the santa outfit that has been stalking everyone was the mother of the girl that died two years previous sound familiar <laughs> no, not at all. Why? What would the sound familiar like, Wes? I don't know. And the dialogue, eerily similar. It really is. Now, uh, you were there. You saw her die. You did nothing. Like, basically, yeah. you did this. You did this. And Nancy just trying to plead with her. I mean, like, you know, as much as people kind of, like, laugh at Betsy Palmer's performance and how much scenery she's chewing in the end of the first Friday the 13th movie and, and how the struggle between the two women, um, Alice and, and Mother Voorhees, at the end of that movie seems ridiculous. This is... This can really make you appreciate other slashers more because... The acting choices that uh, our cook is making and then also the struggle between the girls is just bizarre. It is bizarre and it goes on quite a while. So if you were to feel ripped off in a way, because in a way you're watching it and you're like, oh, okay, that's who's in the Santa outfit. So I guess we're going to be wrapping up here any minute now. (laughs) But no, it goes on for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I do enjoy the chase around the house and the Santa outfits. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the, well, as far as the Santa killing one thing i really liked was the giant concrete block 
to yeah. smash someone's head open. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, Santa running around with a gigantic carving knife yeah. is wonderful. Yeah, it's a great image. The mask is like that cheap plastic. I don't know who thought, like, this is a fun mask for Santa. It looks like a fucking death mask of a grandpa. It's yeah. fucking terrifying. Um, but I will say about this second twist is that it really starts to make a lot of the other kills make sense. How does someone get into a suit of armor by themselves? How long were they there? What's the point of all of this? And Because there is the ultimate Scooby-Doo kill in this film. Oh my I don't want to spoil it by totally walking through it, but yeah. it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You almost think that it's going to be a, a couple pierced mid-coitus like we'd seen in uh, Bay of Blood or like we've seen very famously in uh, Friday the 13th uh, Part 2. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, no, it's or not Kevin th- Bacon. Oh, Kevin Bacon, Bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's not quite like that. Although uh, there's a crossbow involved, mm-hmm. which comes into play later. But uh, or how, how? Okay, so this one's the landing strip. Like, how the fuck is this Santa getting around? He got a fucking Indiana Jones and the Temple or, and the uh, what was it the. The, the first Indiana Jones movie where the fucking Nazi gets hit by the propeller. It's that death. Yeah, basically. But then we're not sure on how far away that airstrip is and how long it would take them to travel. So it does seem like in the blink of an eye, they're back somewhere else way hidden in the bowels of the house. Mm-hmm. Or how they got up in a tree soundlessly, but then moments of before we know they were in the house with mm-hmm. someone else. Like Very, very strange. Huh, two Santas. So it's the Mick twist. It is the McTwist. It, it's the and you know people would know famously from Scream like oh there's two killers. Um, this one pulled the wool over my eyes up until that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that made it super duper fun. Yeah. So it's a, it's a nice little twist, and basically we find out that indeed the police chief that or the the lead detective or whatever that's investigating the place went over the area with a fine tooth tooth comb. Obviously he they didn't find anything because he didn't want them to find anything because he was one of the killers, and it was his daughter, along with the cooks, that uh, died. And then we just basically have Nancy whimpering at her poor nerdy boyfriend, soon-to-be boyfriend, and then he'll have the honor of banging two different chicks in one weekend. That's an Xbox achievement unlock, if I ever heard one. It truly is. Mm -hmm, It truly mm -hmm, is. mm -hmm. Um, And in Fable, if it's... uh, like two in the same room, then you do definitely get an achievement. Yeah, it's day. true. Mm-hmm. I even said like two different ladies in the same day. That's a good. That's a good unlock. No, and he also gets to like fucking kill a guy. Good point with mm-hmm. a crossbow. Yeah, kill you know, a guy with a crossbow. That's been a full weekend for this little Poindexter. Yeah, he lost his virginity. Mm-hmm. Got to like kill a guy. And then is going to get uh, the Cindy Lou Who. And he banged like a foreign girl and the girl next door. Yeah. That's a pretty, yeah, this guy yeah. did pretty good. Um, the Santa duo, not so much. No. But the person who really wins, question mark, Yeah. wins the loss of their sanity entirely. Wow. Is our little Linnea Quigley. <laughs> Leia, played by Judith Bridges. Yeah. A wonderful actress through the whole thing, actually. Mm-hmm. And who was it? You you said that she, he, she reminded you of somebody else. She was reminding... Oh, like Margot Kidder? 
No, that was the British chick. The British chick was like the the Margot Kidder. Um, I mean, like, what do you say? Like, she reminds me a little bit, honestly, of um, the chick from Madhouse. But like, there's there's um, something so bizarre. She is in hyper denial of the fact that their friends were killed at first. She's like, you guys are being ridiculous. I'm getting out of here. She wants to bang this uh, TJ guy because he's infinitely wealthy. His parents are super rich. And so she, and then, so she seems just kind of like an, an any other gold digger type character. Then all of a sudden for like, not because like TJ stepped out on her or did anything really. Now she wants to bang the police officer. She does. She, the police officer gets killed. She's naked, about to take a shower. There's a head in the shower. The Santa menaces her, doesn't kill her. And we assume kind of, just horror movie logic, that that's where she... When they go back into the washroom later and they discover the cop's body, they discover the decapitated head, mm-hmm. we're expecting that any moment they'll find dead Leia. Mm-hmm. But no. No. She is in a nightgown, her makeup overdone. She pirouetting around going, yeah. And and I don't understand why the character, okay. Why the character went crazy. Okay, fine. A dude that she just had sex with and a bunch of her friends and she saw a head in the shower. So she, she is mentally broken, at least in that moment. Maybe she needs therapy. And whether the Santa Claus was unmasked at that point or not, or which Santa it was that was menacing her doesn't really matter. All those things combined would send someone around the bend for a moment. It doesn't explain why either, either killer didn't kill her and just let her prance around now her singing and pirouetting around she was kind of like that anyways but it would seemed more of like a whimsical she didn't seem crazy no like, or, or on any type of spectrum she just seemed to be like again it was all in keeping with like this frat boy fucker that she was screwing around with that and she's a drama kid yeah so yeah. she was just she was just pirouetting around and being silly now she is just this haunted broken specter like <laughs> that ter- no one can reason with she's no help whatsoever she's pirouetting around mm-hmm. with a totally broken mind yeah wild you would think though that she would pirouette her ass off the balcony pirouette her ass into a butcher knife mm-hmm. or something anything but there's no one they acknowledge her for as long as it takes to like try to get her downstairs she is not involved in the scenes anymore. When they're leaving, uh, Nancy says that we should go back and get her. Uh, nerd boy is just like, now nah, we'll get someone to get her. Don't worry about it. And then the movie ends on her on the balcony, just pirouetting, pirouetting around. around. And I was like, what the fuck? It's very strange because there's one like that you could have ended on nerd boy and Cindy Lou Who. Running into the sunrise. Mm-hmm. Take me away from here, and then credits. Yeah, or anything. But they end on the crazy woman left in the house alone, pirouetting around with lipstick drawn up her cheeks. Yeah, a very, very fucking strange ending. Very unsettling and very absurd, and in line with every other decision as far mm-hmm. as filmmaking goes in this. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, did they just forget to kill her or <laughs> something? It was very strange. <laughs> but yeah, very fucking weird. Very cool if you want to see Santa running around stabbing everyone. If you want to see 
what what a living Scooby Doo scene would be like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the, when it comes to this movie, Twelve Good Night, I would say if you're a slasher aficionado and you feel like you've seen it all, yeah. and you've missed this one, definitely check it out. It's no worse than you know, uh, like the mutilator or, or like fucking, um, don't go into the woods alone. It's better than don't go in the woods alone. Um, that type of shit. I mean, is it as good as your biggies or even your lesser known ones like house on sorority row or, um, April fools or, um, no, but a lot of that is only because of the film technique and the constraints yeah. they seem to be under yeah. as far as lighting and space to yeah. move around. Because it's true. if they would have had a different lens to play with than the space constraints, mm-hmm. specifically in the dining room scenes and living room scenes, wouldn't have been as noticeable. People yeah. would have been framed a little more appropriately. Mm-hmm. Or a second camera would have helped with blocking. But, I mean, other than that, and if you can forgive a lot of that, or use it as a point of study, mm-hmm. then I think it's it's fantastic and is right in line with a lot of those older slasher movies. Yeah, absolutely. And that's our fucking Christmas episode. Well, Merry Goddamn Christmas. Fucking right. What do we got next for, Woods? I don't know. What do you want to do? Uh, I don't know, because we're into like the we're not planning things. Yeah. Um, well, I picked up that, uh, House of Wax. Oh, you got the the House of Wax movie? Yeah, the newer one, the Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton House of Wax. All right, we can do that. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to do House of Wax, and not the slasher, not the 80s version of this movie. Or was that 70s? The Vincent Price one is, uh... Oh, Well, there's a Vincent Price one. And then there's House of... No, I'm thinking of Waxwork. Yeah. In the 1980s. I want to do Waxwork. So we're going to do House of Wax. Mm-hmm. And not the fun original. Yeah. Not the Vincent Price one. We're going to be doing the the, the early aughts remake, the uh, Paris Hilton one. Yeah. Because I was very impressed by two things in this film. That it was super enjoyable when it first came out. And I didn't think it would be. And Paris Hilton in a movie isn't as horrible as I expected her to be. I can tell you, like, the, the, the two things I've seen Paris Hilton in, one Repo the Gen and a Copper, and the other one this. Oh, I thought you were going to say the sex tape. Uh, no. Uh, I, I did watch that, though. <laughs> but she did pretty good? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I like her in Repo, too. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, and we'll talk about uh, the Paris Hilton of it all, and we'll talk about... Um, maybe that'll come up later because like also one of these days, uh, the I remake would be a nice thing to do. And I think it kind of falls into those weird categories of why a lot of people didn't watch the cell because of Jennifer Lopez, as opposed to like, Hey, maybe just cause you have an idea about this actress, maybe you could just put that aside for two seconds and just see if you like the movie Yeah, and, and, and try to take the celebrity out of the actor. Very similar to He Never Died with Henry Rollins. If you forget, if someone has a chip on the shoulder about Henry Rollins or you tend to think you won't forget it's Henry Rollins, Mm -hmm. you will. Trust me. It's Mm -hmm. Paris Hilton. Even more forgettable. Believe me. (laughs) Yeah. Especially nowadays. Like, I think it'd be time for, like, a a, a Wax, uh, a House of Wax revival because do people even know who Paris Hilton is anymore? I don't think so. 
Except, I mean, she hasn't been on television. She hasn't done any... She used to do music, for God's sakes. Like, yeah. Like, I don't think anyone except for our generation would know who that is. No, and that show that she did where she was, like, on a farm or whatever. The the Surreal Life or whatever? I, no, it was after that. It was her and some other rich girl, maybe Nicole Richie. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. They were on a farm, and they, like, did farmhand work. Huh. Apparently, for this reality show, and it was really, it was very, it was very strange. It wasn't surreal life, but it was surreal. Mm -hmm. But that was maybe the last thing that was within popular culture. And if somebody watches like every single thing on garbage TLC, then maybe they would recognize her. But beyond that, no. She's got to be like forty by now, too, right? Like probably. Ooh, no wonder we haven't seen her. (laughs) But you will see us. Next time, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to the season's grieving... The Holly Jolly. <laughs> ...edition of the Dead Air Podcast. See you in 2020, motherfuckers.